We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect. There are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, American, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. Welcome to another episode of the Rotowire NBA podcast. Nick Whalen joined, as I always am, on Tuesday evenings by Rotowire's assistant NBA editor, Alex Barutha. Uh, Alex, you were just reading me the NBA headlines on ESPN.com um, as kind of a reiteration that this has been a very slow news day. Uh, it's kind of a, a smaller slate tonight, as is typical on Tuesday. So, not a lot of news to discuss. Um, you know, we, we hit on the NBA potentially trying to get an all star game. Uh, organized for next month on last week's show. There haven't really been too many more developments there. Uh, no major injury news. No, thankfully, no major COVID news at this point, although Carl Anthony Towns will miss another game on Wednesday night. Uh, so what better time than to unveil our quarter season all-star teams? Um, this is one of my favorite exercises that we we do a few times usually throughout the year. If it were up to me, I would I would be happy to do this just like once a week and kind of switch guys out as the season goes on. 
Um, but I did the math and we're, we're just over a quarter of the way through the season, assuming we do make it to 72 games. Most teams have played 18, 19, 20 games, depending on the COVID situation. Um, so I, I think we have just enough of a sample size to uh, actually throw some legitimate teams out there and not feel like two weeks from now, our, our entire rosters could be different. Yeah, that's true. The season's been, you know, tough with uh, trying to gauge like what teams are good and what guys would be deserving of an all-star spot because of all the, the COVID absences and whatnot. Like some guys, you know, they've played eight games, so their efficiency is like, you know, who knows if it's real or not. Some guys have been like Jalen Brown have been making up for the absences of like Jason Tatum, so their volume's way higher. But this was this was kind of a hard, like difficult exercise to do. There's just a lot of players playing well right now, and it feels tough to leave some of them off the the team. So we didn't really set any hard guidelines for how we would do this. Obviously, we'll do we'll do 12 guys in the Eastern Conference, 12 in the West. And, you know, if the NBA does uh, end up having an all-star game, I assume that it will be the, the draft format that we've had the last few years. So they'll, they'll ultimately end up being scrambled. Uh, but for our purposes, we'll keep 12, 12 Eastern Conference players, five starters, 12 Western Conference players. Did you kind of set any personal guidelines for yourself in terms of like minimum games played or anything like that? I think I I think it was like ten games for me. Uh, if they are gonna okay. play at least ten games, I didn't include them. So like Jimmy Butler was someone who just isn't gonna make yeah. the list for me because of that. Um, other than that, no. I mean, I guess I try to put them at the position that I feel like they play the most. Mm-hmm. Um, so which was tough. Like I'm not gonna put LeBron in the guard spot in the West anymore. I'm not gonna do that. They have Dennis Schroeder there. Mm-hmm. Um, those were like the only two parameters I really had. Okay. Yeah. I mean, Tatum is an interesting one that you brought up. I mean, he's played 13 games. It felt like he was out for longer. And part of that was he, I guess, kind of benefited from the Celtics having games postponed that eventually they will hopefully make up. And the difference, you know, won't be all that stark at the end of the year. Uh, I ran into that with John Morant in the Western conference. Um, as we'll talk about, I, I did not include him on my team. I think if we if we did this exercise a month from now, right before the All-Star break, and he plays in maybe every game from now until then and plays really well, I would have no problem with him making the team. But for me, these were the guys that if, if the cutoff for voting was today, you know, these are the 12 guys in each conference who I would choose. And we should we should be clear that that's at least how I did it. I mean, this was not a prediction. This is the 12 yeah. guys that I would want on my All-Star team. A hundred percent. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you yeah. on that. Okay. Well, I will kick it to you, and oh. let's go. Give me your five starters in the Eastern Conference. Trey Young, Bradley Beal, Giannis, Kevin Durant, and Joel Embiid. Okay, I have three of those five. Um, I went Joel Embiid, Giannis, Kevin Durant, James Harden, and Jalen Brown as my fifth guard. Yeah, the so Brown was originally in there for me. And I think I flipped him. I had I had a different. The guard spot was really tough for me. I was basically between Jalen Brown, Trey Young, Bradley Beal, and Kyrie Irving as my four guards that I was considering as starters. Um, and then Harden, yeah, I I don't know the the whole like forcing his way out of um, right. Houston thing kind of rubbed me the wrong way. So I didn't I didn't include him in the starting lineup. But he he just as easily could like he deserves to be there i think statistically yeah, trey young's hair rubs me the wrong way so that's why <laughs> i decided to keep him out of the starting lineup no i i thought about that as well and i i don't think the nba like i, I remember when cc sabathia was traded 
uh, I, th- I think this was the case that I'm thinking of from from Cleveland to Milwaukee in like 2008 or whatever that was. Um, he couldn't he didn't win the Cy Young because half of his stats counted for the AL and half counted for the NL. So he had like two halves of a great year, but altogether he like wasn't he, he couldn't win the AL or the NL Cy Young. Um, I don't I don't think that's how it works with Harden, where like he would only technically have like six games played with the Nets right now. Like I, I think it's all on aggregate. Um, and, and for me, obviously, I mean, we've talked about this on the pod. It, it, it rubbed me the wrong way as well. I think it's it'd be pretty hard unless you're a diehard Brooklyn Nets fan to not be rubbed the wrong way by how he handled that. Um, at the same time, I didn't I didn't feel like Trey Young or Brad Beal's cases were that strong that it, you know it, it put him over the top. Like to me, it was kind of those guys were all on a similar-ish level, and I, I think Harden is by far the best player of the three. So I kind of defaulted to him. Um, I mean, with Beal, how, how much do you weigh the Wizards being the worst team in the league right now versus Bradley Beal just torching teams night in and night out? Um, I, I think if you're scoring 35 points a game on good efficiency, it's it's hard for me to like really say that you shouldn't be an all-star. Um, you know, I think there are other guys in the league who could do that, but the, there's a difference between saying someone could do it and actually going out and doing it. You know, 35 points a game on 26 shots. Um, and I think, you know, I, I just, I don't care that much that the team is, is awful. It's not his fault. Um, mm. so yeah, I'm with you on that. I have Beal on my bench. Uh, that was, that was a no brainer for sure. I know he got left off last year, you know, averaging pretty similar numbers, but he's leading the league in scoring this year. He's up, uh, you know, right now compared to the end of last year, he's up almost five points per game on his 30 and a half, uh, last season. So like, I am with you where it's like, if he was if if he was averaging like 28 points per game and they were the worst team in the league, then it's like, well, this is basically Zach Levine. But when you're doing it on on very good efficiencies at 48% from the field, you know, almost 90% at the line, 34% from three, uh, not committing a ton of turnovers, like he's he's even more efficient than he was last year. You know, when when you, you reach a certain level statistically, um, even if you're on the worst team in the league, like to me, it's like okay, 35 points a game is is kind of next level stuff, regardless of, of you know the team could be 0 and 20. And if you're averaging 35 a game with with that kind of efficiency, I don't really hold it against you personally. Yeah, yeah, I'm with you on that. Um, okay, wait. So you had Trey Young as your fifth starter in the East, um, and you said you considered Jalen Brown. What what ultimately made you choose the Young Beal combo over Brown or any other guard that you you may have considered there? Um, I think the I don't know Trey Young's passing ability, like the nine assists a game, uh, really. I think took it over the the mark for me. Like Jason, uh, Jalen Brown's a good ball handler and he's a good, he's an b- improved ball handler and passer and good defender. But Trey Young, I don't know. He's such a driving force of the, the Hawks offense in a way that Jalen Brown isn't. And, you know, he's, he's also doing it efficiently. Like his field goal percentage isn't great. Like you look at Trey Young's field goal percentage, you're like 42%. That's pretty bad. But he's getting to the line 11 times a game. 88% from there, shooting 36% from three. The efficiency ends up being pretty good. You could easily convince me of Jalen Brown as well, but I think Trey Young, Trey Young has also had more big games this season, uh, more games where he's had like, you know, 35 points, 15 assists, stuff like that, um, to where Jalen Brown is more steady, and I probably shouldn't knock him for that, but it was a really tough choice. Yeah, there's such different players that it's, kind of hard to compare apples to apples. Um, but I, I don't know. I defaulted to some of the metrics. Like Jalen Brown is ahead in VORP. He's ahead in PER by a couple points. He's ahead in, in BPM. 
Uh, obviously a, a vastly superior defender, and, and that's something that played into it for me. Um, and then not having Jason Tatum, you know, for for part of this campaign as well, um, and and the way that Jalen Brown has has kind of been able to carry that offense um, through the first quarter of the season. But yeah, he's he to me is like the, he's the fifth starter of that group. Like Embiid, Giannis, Durant for me were were no brainer locks. So was that the case for you as well? Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm I'm with you on that. That was like, I mean, those guys are MVP candidates. So right. I don't know what you would do with them otherwise. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so sticking with the East, um, I, I don't know if you have your bench ordered at all, but uh, give, give me the guy who is your first man out, like you know the one that you were really trying to get into the lineup more than anyone else. And if it's somebody that we've already talked about, then then your next guy down. Um, yeah, it was. I think it was. Well, it was kind of between Jalen Brown and uh, Kyrie Irving. I was having a really hard time deciding whether or not Kyrie Irving should be in the starting five for the mm-hmm. guards. Um. He's 28 points a game and six assists, and he's only committing 2.4 turnovers. And he's on 50, 40. He's, I mean, he's, he's 52, 42, 95 right now on his shooting splits. Um, he's having an incredible year. I mean, he's only played 14 games, but that's not enough for me to really knock him. And it was really hard for me to like leave him out of the starting five. Like he, I think he could go over. I think he could go over Trey Young or Bradley Beal. Like I, like I said, these guys mm-hmm. are. There's so many good guards in the East. I, with Kyrie, like when it comes to actually predicting how this turns out, I have no idea. I don't know if if he's lost fans or I, I, I don't think he's gained fans, I guess, this season. But I, it's hard to say, like, you know, his, with will the sabbatical and all the heat that he took for that, will that ultimately affect, you know, his fan voting, which is a huge component uh, when it comes to the starters, at least. How does that affect his standing with the players around the league, the coaches around the league? Like, I, I can't imagine that that helped. I, I think it's just going to be a question of did it hurt him enough? That that it could ultimately, you know, you know, has he been cast as this guy who kind of just ditched his team for three weeks? Is that enough to ultimately maybe even keep him off the roster altogether? Yeah, it's it's tough to say. I think I think he'll end up on the roster. Um, if he doesn't, then I'm not sure he replace him with. Like right now, I'm you know, I'm I'm just having a really hard time with the East in general. Like I, I have 13 guys right now. I know we're supposed to have 12. I don't know who to kick off my team. Um, <laughs> So well, we will settle that in the next half hour. Will we? Yeah, uh, yeah. I'm I'm not sure. Okay, I, so I, he, I think he deserves it. Read read me the, your full seven man bench, or I guess your eight man bench for the Eastern Conference. Okay, eight man bench is Jalen Brown, James Harden, Malcolm Brogdon, Kyrie Irving, Jason Tatum, Chris Middleton, Demonis Sabonis, and Bam Adebayo. Okay, and so who are you debating for like the last couple spots? Um, I, it's tough to say if like, so I'm, I'm kind of having a hard time between like Middleton and Tatum. Should they both be in same with like Sabonis and Adebayo? Should they both be in? Um, I think Middleton just based on like low volume probably is the one who gets kicked off. Um, but I think you could also make the case for Malcolm Brogdon. You could probably make the case for Kyrie Irving. Yeah. I, I just, I'm having a really hard time because they're all, they could all be kicked off for like different reasons essentially. So we have a lot of overlap. Uh, I, I kind of made a list of my guys who are next up. Uh, I did not have Brogdon or Sabonis on my team. Wouldn't have an issue wow. with either of them. I think I, I think I would go Sabonis over Brogdon, uh, but that was really close. I went Middleton. Uh, it was it was kind of down to those three. I, I did end up sneaking Kyrie on there. Um, so I'll, I'll just read mine quick. I have, I have Kyrie, Brad Beal, Chris Middleton, Trey Young, Batman Abayo, Jason Tatum. Uh, and I'm frankly taken aback that you did not include 
the NBA's number four leader in VORP, Nikola Vucevic, as my final reserve. So that was a really tough call because I was debating between him and Bam, honestly. Yeah. I think that's a legitimate discussion. Well, and the I teams think, are basically identical, too. I mean, it's not, it's not yeah. like the, the Heat are 10 games better than Orlando. Teams are practically identical. They're putting up pretty similar stats, and yeah. Vucevic may have the advantage depending on how you how you feel about like threes and maybe like a lack of defense, kind of how those balance mm-hmm. out. But that he was a really tough omission, and like he could he could be in over Bam. I just think that's I just I just couldn't do it. I don't know. I considered putting Kevin Durant at guard, kicking off Jalen Brown, and putting Vucevic <laughs> at my other forward. I honestly did. I, I really thought I, I don't I knew I wouldn't be able to get away with it, but he's been that good. Like he obviously yeah. it hasn't resulted in team success. They've had a ton of injuries. Uh, they're they're now without Aaron Gordon for probably a month. Like it's it's just been getting worse and worse. But I mean he's he's been absolutely incredible having a career year. So I, I think I would I guess I can't say he's a lock because nobody that plays for the Orlando Magic is ever an all star lock, but to me, he was he was the first guy I wrote down when it came to the reserves. Um, so, yeah, for the most part, a lot of overlap, like we said. Uh, my other guys who didn't quite make it in the East. So that list is Ben Simmons, Zach Levine, Malcolm Brogdon, Julius Randle, DeMontis Sabonis, Jeremy Grant, Gordon Hayward, Drew Holiday, Miles Turner, and Clint Capella. Is, is there anyone else that I forgot who would... You know, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't say any of those guys I feel like they should be on the team, but just guys who you could, you know, somebody out there could make a case for. You had everyone on my uh like close list, essentially. Okay. Um yeah. There there like I wanted to find a way to get Julius Randle in there. I just Same. couldn't. Um, you know, I think he has a case, but I, I just don't know. And for, ben for me Simmons, with Randall or sorry, with with Randall, it was like, okay, I want to get him on, but then if I get him on, how do I justify putting Julius Randle in, but not Jeremy Grant. And then I was right. like, well, Gordon Hayward is on, you know, <laughs> I think Gordon Hayward maybe has been better than all those guys. And he's, you know, playing in Charlotte where, where nobody really is watching anything but LaMelo Ball. I just felt like it had to be all or nothing. And obviously I wasn't going to get all three of those guys on there. Right. Like these are guys who we need the next, we need the next 15 to 20 games, like until right. the all-star break to really tell like whether or not they deserve to be in. Like there will be, there are definitely going to be snubs. Yeah. based on how they're playing. And like Vujovic is going to be definitely a snub, but I don't know if we'll look back in three years and say, oh man, like, you know, Ben Simmons really deserved an all-star spot or, you know, Julius Randle really deserved that all-star spot. Yeah. Um, it's tough to say. I think Julius Randle will say that. I, I can yeah. see this being something that, that he's still discussing five to 10 years down the road. I, I don't know. I mean, one of the, like one of those three guys probably gets in like every year. There's one or two injury replacements this year, especially like who knows? I mean, there might there might be several players who just say, like, I, I'm good. Like, I'm taking the week off. We'll, you know, we'll see you next week. Um, I would bet one of those guys gets in. It, it's just going to be hard to choose who. And I, I think Vooch will get in, too. Like, I, I feel like the numbers are are good enough that, you know, and, and it's not like Orlando. Obviously, they're not a good team, but it's not like they're demonstrably worse than you know, Miami, like we said, Atlanta, like there, there's just everybody in the East is kind of in this just giant pack right now. So even though Orlando's not good, it, it doesn't feel like they're just, you know, bottom of the barrel right now, even though record wise, that's you know close to where they are. Yeah, it's the East is that you're right. Very jumbled. I mean, so is the West to some extent. Yeah. Like there are just so many teams that are within like three to four wins of each other. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's hard to be like, well, OK, I'm trying to, you know, debate like, should I put Trey Young in over Malcolm Brogdon? It's like, well, there's only like a one win difference between these teams. Like, it's yeah. not like, you know, in a different season where you mm-hmm. could be like, well, the Pacers have 20 more wins. It's not really right. like 
it's hard to make that case unless it's very drastic this year. Right. And all-star voting has already opened. So it's not like we're going to get a ton more separation between these. You know, normally we'd have a little bit of a bigger sample um, before all this starts up, but you know, there's a pretty good chance that the standings are still pretty jumbled when, when the, the teams are actually announced. The Rotowire NBA podcast is brought to you by BetMGM. Sports bettors know that magic happens when you turn a hunch into action and apply the right amount of expertise. That is why BetMGM has teamed up with Rotowire to offer new BetMGM customers a free six month Rotowire subscription when you placed your first bet. Register on the BetMGM app or website and use promo code ROTO, that's ROTO, R O T O, to claim your free subscription. Once you make your first sports wager, you'll receive a season's length of Rotowire's unmatched sports insights. Find out why BetMGM is the king of sportsbooks by signing up and placing your first bet today. Visit BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Colorado, Indiana, New Jersey, Nevada, Tennessee, and West Virginia only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado and Nevada. And 1-800-GAMBLER in New Jersey and West Virginia. In Tennessee, call or text the red line at 800-889-9789. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. Promotional offer not available in Nevada. I think I found myself favoring subconsciously the players who I think would get in more. Like, yeah. you know, like you said, Trey Young versus Brogdon. Like to me, that's like, oh, it's just Trey Young because he's he's a star. And Malcolm Brogdon, I don't think is quite on that level nationally, certainly. Um, so I, I kind of defaulted to those guys like. Like even Jason Tatum, I, I kind of had to think twice about just because he, you know, he's only played what 14 games, um, right. has only been fully healthy for a handful of those. Like to me, it, it wouldn't be crazy to leave him off just because of the smaller sample. I agree, and like some of this is tough too because there are so many guys putting up numbers that like it's it, the the Trey Young versus Brogdon thing especially. Like Trey Young obviously has way more volume to his numbers, right? He's closer to 30 points a game. He's closer to 10 assists, but Brogdon's only at two turnovers a game. Like seven assists, two turnovers, you know, 23 points on 45, 40, 90 shooting. Like, it's hard to look at that and say, like, that's definitely worse than Trey Young. Um, So it's I I don't know. Mm. So did you have anyone else uh, on your list of of potential options? I know you said I covered most years. I think you had everyone. I mean, I I don't know if you said Westbrook. I had him on there, but he was like, I did not say he's he's a cross off. Yeah, I put him on there. I, he was like, uh, you know, the Russell Westbrook, like memorial, like, yeah. you know, I just typed him in and then crossed him off without really thinking about it. Um, yeah. I feel like if he doesn't get chosen or when he doesn't get chosen, like maybe he'll just enter the three point contest. Maybe he enters the dunk contest. Like he, he will have to find a way to get there. Like it's been, when's the last time he hasn't been an all-star? I mean, I, I without looking, I would guess, I'm trying, I don't think there was ever a year where he was hurt early on and would have missed it. I mean, it's probably been a full decade, right? 2013, 14, you didn't make it played 46 games yeah Hmm. he averaged 22 7 and 6 where did he where did he miss that time if you have it up uh i don't have it up i was looking at how many dunks he had when you said Hmm. dunks because i was trying to see he he only has one this season right i feel like i read that somewhere i believe that um i want to say fred katz had that he does have one dunk this year yeah in 11 games not a good sign um Okay, any other thoughts on the East? 
Not, not that I have right now. Okay, let's move to the West. I, I think you and I both agreed that the East was much harder. And traditionally, that has not been the case uh, with the, you know, the amount of elite talent uh, you know, over the last decade or so in the West has been, you know, I, I feel like there's there's usually a team of like five players that didn't make it from the West who you would say like all five of these guys would have been no brainers in the East. And I don't I don't feel like that's the case at all. Um, I, I think the talent is actually distributed pretty evenly uh, right now. I mean, I, I think the you know, if you're making like a top five players in each conference, I, I think the like LeBron, Kawhi, Steph, you know, Davis, Jokic or whoever it is in the West is probably a little bit better than what you could put together in the East. But, you know, when when Kevin Durant and James Harden are going from West to East, that certainly helps. Um, I'll, I'll kick it to you again. Give me your five starters in the Western Conference. Five starters are Luka Doncic, Damian Lillard, LeBron James, Kawhi Leonard, Nikola Jokic. OK, we go four for five. Uh, I had Luka. At first, that was kind of one of those, like I was talking about with, with Trey Young, where it was like, oh, he's Luka Doncic. I'm just going to pencil him in. I, I, I swapped him out and went with Curry. Okay. I almost swapped him out and went with Paul George. It's funny uh, you say that. I, I initially had Paul George and ended up <laughs> kind of kicking him out. Yeah, I mean, with with Paul George, like the efficiency is so good. Just like yep. the counting stats for me weren't quite there. But I mean, honestly, I those three, any of those three would be fine for that for that last guard spot for me. I think so. Yeah, I had a tough time. Um, I wanted one of Curry or Lillard in there, mm. and I think Lillard has better numbers. Yep. I, they're extremely comparable. But, um, yeah, and then Doncic. Doncic versus George, that was, like, really tough for me. I think I flip-flopped those a few times just because, again, it's the volume versus efficiency thing. Doncic objectively just, like, hasn't been that efficient this year. But it's hard to argue with, like, the nine assists, nine rebounds right. a game. Their, their defensive numbers are actually like the same, even though I think Paul, like Paul George is obviously a better defender. Yeah. Um, and so like, if I had to lean one way, it would, I mean, I'm just, I'm just going with the volume, but it was not an easy choice. No, I, I feel like Doncic had so much momentum coming into the year that it, it's kind of been his spot to lose. And like, like you said, the counting stats are so good that it, it's not like it, it feels like he's having a bad year, but at the same time, it kind of feels like he's having a bad year. He's under 30% from three. That was kind of the kicker for me where it's like, okay, do I want the guy who's the best shooter ever shooting 41% on a huge volume or the guy who's taking a ton and hitting him at 29%? Like, you know, obviously Doncic has the counting stats, like we said, but it, I think that that gap in efficiency is big enough. You know, if Doncic was shooting 35% from three, I, I think that would have been enough for me to put him in over Curry, but that is a massive, massive gap. And and again, I mean, Dallas has not been a very good team. They've taken a lot of tough losses recently. So, you know, it obviously the, the Warriors aren't great either, but they've they've at least stabilized to the point where they're not getting blown out every night where, where that's kind of looked like where it was going the first week of the year. Um, they, you know, there's not really much of a gap in team quality. So so to me, there's, there's not a lot of ground uh, where Doncic can make up in that regard. Curry versus Lillard is also pretty interesting. I, I sided with Lillard in that one, as did you. Um, Lillard's up about three points in PER. He's up about 0.7 in win shares. He's, he's way up in win shares per 48. He leads him in VORP. Um, he leads Curry in, in true shooting even, which which almost never happens. So uh, even though Curry's been great, I, I think Lillard has been a little bit better. He's, he's kind of beaten Curry at his own game in a lot of ways. Yeah, and, and Lillard and Curry have had like the same amount of big games. Like I yep. sometimes when I look at the all-star stuff, I'll take, you know, who's had a game with a, a game score of at least 25, which is basically like a big game. And Lillard has had six of those and Curry has had five of those. So that wasn't like a huge deciding factor. 
um, for me either. I think Lillard's just been slightly better. And yep. like you, you, you mentioned it, it's the gap's not that big. And within 10 games, Curry could get hot and make that leap over Lillard. So Jokic is, is the no-brainer of all no-brainers here. Uh, he, he leads the league in Vorp at, at 2.3 right now. Number two is Doncic at 1.8. Like a 0.5 gap probably doesn't sound like all that much, but that is a, a very, very large gap um, but between the number one and the number two guy. Like he has been the best player in the NBA so far. So for me, that was an obvious no-brainer. Um, I mean, LeBron and Kawhi, I, I think, are, are probably going to be unanimous picks as well. Um, was was there anyone else, uh, backcourt or frontcourt, who you considered for a starting spot? No, there wasn't. Hey, NBA fans, Owner's Box is here to reinvent the way you play fantasy sports this season. Owner's Box is not DFS. They're the first ever weekly fantasy sports platform to combine the best elements of daily and season-long fantasy. Owner's Box is a head-to-head elimination-style format that keeps players engaged through live snake drafts, and a new layer of strategy that allows you to become the ultimate fantasy GM. Compete with your opponent over seven days of fierce competition and get paid out weekly. On Owner's Box, users can brand themselves and engage socially on the platform in multiple different ways, add friends, create custom leagues, and rank up to elevate the trash talk and competition to the next level. Users are able to draft a new team every single day and participate in different types of contests to keep the fantasy experience fresh and fun so you're never out of the game. To tip off the NBA season, if you sign up free now, Owner's Box will match your first deposit up to $500. Think you got what it takes to be a weekly fantasy GM? Visit ownersbox.com slash rotowire to claim your bonus and make a name for yourself today. The only other guy who came to mind, and this was another one of those like, oh, I'll just write him down because he's him was Anthony Davis. Um, but you know, Davis versus Jokic is not a competition this year and I'm not going to put him in over LeBron or Kawhi. So, so ultimately that ended up being a pretty easy call. I thought, yeah, I mean, I thought, I thought about Davis, but then I just like, I kind of knew that like, I kind of, he didn't, he's not playing well, like he's, he's playing fine, but he's definitely like taking a step back or at least just not trying as hard. Yeah. Um, he had one rebound last night. I know. Like it's, it, a lot of times you, you'll watch a, a Lakers game and you just kind of forget he's out there yeah. and or he can just be shut down easily, which yep. is kind of weird to say. But I, I don't think that's him like getting worse. I think that's just him, you know, kind of a lack of effort since they hit the Lakers won the title. So uh, so recently, yeah. but he still gets knocked for that. <laughs> you know, you still get knocked for not putting in 100 percent effort. He, he just gets pushed around too easily like yeah. I, I don't want to accuse him of not trying or anything but you know I, I think a game like last night where you have someone like Clint Capella who's gonna go for every single rebound balls to the wall I mean he had like 16 boards in that game like Anthony Davis I, I think likes to uh likes to get by on on his skill and athleticism and like 95 percent of the time that works really well you can you can in fact just win a title doing that um but when you go up against like like the the effort gap sometimes I, I think is where guys can make up ground on him and if, if you kind of get into his head early and push him around like he I, I think when he's when he's in the zone like there were times in the bubble where it was like oh my god like this he's getting every rebound he's just going to dunk everything on, on the offensive end but if he's not in that mindset like he can get pushed around by by a lot of the more like bouncy physical centers in the league yeah I think that's the main criticism of Davis and it has been for a while right. is he just like doesn't use he just doesn't like to be physical when he plays yeah, he he plays more like a small forward in terms of right. like maybe not even that. I mean, it's it's hard to explain. Like he doesn't 
he's not always looking to draw contact. He's not always looking for hard box outs. He doesn't like to post up and drive. He likes to yeah. post up and fade, which is insane to me for someone like with his uh, like bulk and athleticism. So, mm-hmm. you know, I don't know. I think he, in his mind, he's Paul George. Like he, they have like the same <laughs> game weirdly. Uh, I actually, I, yeah, I love that comparison. I think yeah, he does he's, think he's, he's unbelievably more... smooth for a guy that size. Like give him, we got to give him his credit. And I mean, it works really well. He's still shooting a great percentage for a guy who takes an insane amount of difficult shots. Um, but yeah, and what's frustrating is like, we've seen him do it, you know, like, it, it's not like he just doesn't have the bulk or, you know, has never been physical. Like when he wants to do it, he can exert his will and be the best player in the NBA. But it almost, it almost seems like he has to, he has to like solely focus on being physical or he won't be physical at all. Yeah, it is a little it is a little LeBron esque um, in terms yeah. of like, you know, flipping the switch and maybe sure. LeBron is kind of in his ear, especially now and being like, you know, listen, we just won the title. You, you, you can start taking it easy. Like, we're fine. Right. And uh, yeah, I don't know. It's easy for us to say, but in my position, it's like, look, if you're going to be out there playing 37 minutes in an NBA game, like, why not try? You know, like you just if, if you're if you're taking the night off to rest, so be it. Take the night off. But if you're going to be out there and you're going to play more than your normal amount of minutes, like why why not put in the effort? I don't know. I'll never understand that. I don't know. Okay, so give me your full bench in the Western Conference. Full bench is Steph Curry, Paul George, Shea Gilgis Alexander, uh, Anthony Davis, Christian Wood, Rudy Gobert, and believe it or not, Demar Derozan. <gasps> I had DeRozan on my list. <laughs> I thought about it. I ended up keeping him off. I, I don't. I don't feel as good about it now, especially since I'm sure you're going to lay out a, a good case for it. So I do not have SGA. I didn't really consider him. Um, maybe maybe because it feels like a slight, like a slightly disappointing season from him, which is really not fair at all. But I, I think, I think my expectations were a little bit higher. He's he's been very good to me. He hasn't been great. Um, but filling those last couple spots in the West really has not been easy at all. Um, I mean, I, I had Davis and Doncic, Gobert and Paul George as my first four reserves. Those were all locks to me. Um, you know, we talked about, you know, PG and, and Doncic potentially being starters. I, I think in a normal year, Gobert would be the starter at center. I mean, I, I think Gobert over Davis, maybe even at this point. Um, but but obviously Jokic is, is going to have that spot. Uh, I went with those four, Christian Wood as well. Uh, and then my final two guard spots went to Donovan Mitchell and Chris Paul. Interesting. Um, I crossed off, <clears throat> I, I crossed off Chris Paul pretty early. I think, okay. I'm not saying he doesn't deserve it. Um, it's just, it's worse than last year. And I think he was kind of on the fringes last year. Like, I think he got it only because the, the Thunder were playing so far above expectations mm-hmm. that he was kind of just handed the all-star appearance. Not that he had a bad season, but I don't think he's playing any better this year. And he's playing no. worse pretty much across the board, except, I mean, his assists are back up, which is nice, but um, I just, I just couldn't do it this year. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely kind of a legacy play for sure. No debate about it. I mean, for me, the assist bouncing back up was big. Um, he's still been good on defense, uh, not really shooting the ball all that well though. I mean, he's had, I think a career worst pace or at least his worst since his rookie year from three. Uh, so that, you know, hopefully will turn around at some point. Um, but no, you're right. I mean, I, I didn't feel great about this one. Like the Suns not being a, a super good team right now. You know, he doesn't have that same argument that he did last year in OKC. Like, I, I think you're totally right that he maybe wasn't quite as good as people made him out to be last year. But that team was so surprising that I don't think I heard one person say he didn't deserve to be an all star. You know, 
Um, but I, I guess to me like that, that even though the Suns have kind of underachieved, like there's so much talent that I, I just felt like a son had to be on this team. And, and it certainly wasn't going to be Devin Booker. It wasn't going to be DeAndre Ayton. Um, so I went with Chris Paul, but I'm telling you, when, when I say I considered DeMar DeRozan, I very heavily considered it. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I ended up at one point putting like basketball reference as the player comparison thing. Yeah. And at one point I did like a four player comparison with Donovan Mitchell SGA, DeMar DeRozan, and Brandon Ingram, and was just like staring at the numbers. Um, and I ended up with SGA and, and DeRozan. I I also, I mean, I, I was really interested in Donovan Mitchell versus Shea Gilgis-Alexander. I, I can't say that Donovan Mitchell's having a better year than SGA right now. Like, I think if you flip those two, like, I think if you had SGA on the on the Utah Jazz being, like, the number one yeah. guy next to Rudy Gobert, that they would probably have, like, the same record. I, I mean, numbers-wise, you're totally right. I mean, I, I think SGA has probably been the better player if you're looking at, like, a blind resume. Um, but there's, I don't know, there's something about Mitchell where I feel like he's he's always played above the numbers uh, to some degree. And, and you know, the efficiency hasn't been spectacular this year. Um, but this is this is the one instance where I went team success over uh over the individual and normally i would i would default to the individual but six and a half game difference you know utah's been the talk of the league obviously over the last few weeks they're 15 and 5 um it, it just feels like they would get two all-stars in this situation so maybe this one was more of a um you know a hedge toward like what i think will actually happen versus what i want to happen um you know i i think sga and and DeRozan over mitchell and paul is is by no means egregious um, but based on how things tend to go, like I would, I would expect that it would end up being in Mitchell and Paul based on the names. I think so too. Yeah. Um, and I could also probably kick Gobert off and go with Mitchell, but I just, I've, I don't know. I, I'd feel weird starting only one yeah. center or having only one center on my team. Um, yeah, I mean, yeah. the Jazz and need it, at least one. Yeah, they do. As far as DeRozan goes, I just like 6.6 assists to 1.7 turnovers. If if he was anyone else, people would be talking about him like he's an elite passer. Yeah. Uh, and the 20 points a game on 14 shots is obviously incredible. Um, he's back to shooting threes, not a ton, but he's making them efficiently. He's 49% from the field. He's still getting to the free throw line, doing that efficiently. His I think his, his offensive rating is 124, which is almost the highest of maybe anybody on this list. I didn't like double check. But it was really hard for me to, like, again, leave him off or say that he's having a worse year than someone like Donovan Mitchell. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so I, I I know put him on. Okay, I, I'm making a last-second amendment. I'm kicking off Chris Paul. I'm putting on Donovan Mitchell. Or not Donovan Mitchell. Sorry, DeMar DeRozan. Okay. I, he's I convinced mean, me. Thank the you. offensive rating stat. <laughs> that was the one. <laughs> no, he's been great. He has been. He's been awesome. Um, you know, I, I think he's kind of a forgotten man at this point. Uh, obviously I think people still think of him as like the old Raptors shooting guard, not the current Spurs shooting guard. Yeah. Um, and so much of the, the attention with the Spurs has turned to, you know, Keldon Johnson, DeJounte Murray, the future. Um, whereas, you know, it's, it's still DeRozan and Aldridge holding that team together. Uh, I'll, I'll give you first dibs now to read me your, um, honorable mentions for the Western Conference. Sure. Uh, Mike Conley, Donovan Mitchell, Chris Paul, Zion, Brandon Ingram, and that's it. Okay, I have all those guys, and I'll, I'll throw on a few more names. And, and again, these are just guys who either normally would have a case or somebody would make the case for them. John Morant, 
only played seven games. I, I think there's still a chance he gets there if he if he plays yeah. enough. Uh, obviously, in the seven games that he's played, he's been awesome. Um, so so would be deserving. Uh, Devin Booker, I, I think a guy that most of us would have just penciled in uh, before the season just hasn't been all that good. Al- although when I looked at the numbers, they weren't they weren't as bad as I thought. Like his his numbers are still very very strong. Um, the problem is you know with Chris Paul arriving, he's just kind of taken on a different role. So it's been a pretty dramatic drop in assists, but he's averaging over a steal a game for the first time in his career. The three-point shooting is actually up compared to the last couple of years. He's at 47% from the field. Um, I, the big thing with, with Booker is he's getting to the line two fewer times per game, and he's shooting nine percentage points worse at the line compared to last year. So, I mean, he's leaving a good, like, three to four points on the board, you know, compared to last season. Yeah, Booker, kind of a weird step back although i think maybe we should have seen a more dramatic like i think we should have seen this coming for booker because when chris paul is on a team he just kind of like he's he just the ball comes to him and stays there and he's the one who dishes out all the assists and people swing the ball back to him and you reset the offense and and so booker losing a ton of assists losing you know shots i think i think it makes sense um i wish he'd be more aggressive but they're being, I mean, they're relatively successful right now. Right. I still think, you know, they're better than the 11 and eight that they are, but uh, yeah, he just compared to last year. It's, it's hard to make the case for him. It, he's a very good passer, but let's, let's not be confused. Like you still want the ball in Chris Paul's hands. Like I, I think yep. part of the reason that Devin Booker averaged 6.8 and 6.5 assists over the previous two seasons was that the Suns did not employ an actual point guard. Like, that's not an exaggeration. Like, they had no point guards. Um, you know, basically just like a third stringer on the bench or or Devin Booker handling the ball. So that was kind of, he was kind of shoehorned into that role in the first place. And, he, and it was fine. But I, I think those assist numbers were like a little bit artificially uh, inflated over the last two years just because he was kind of playing out of position. Well, it's crazy, too, from someone who has scored 70 points in a game before that we have seen like no big games out of him this year. Like at all. Like I, his his yeah. his high right now in points is 33. His high in assists is eight. Um, quarter of the way through the season, like that should be like you know 40 for points. Right. Um, so yeah, he's not the volume is is way down for him. So John Morant, Devin Booker. I also had De'Aaron Fox, who's played very well lately. Uh, Mike Conley, like you said, SGA. Uh, I, I threw DeAndre Ayton on there. Uh, doesn't really have a realistic shot, but you know the rebounding numbers, I guess, have been good. He's, he's been fine. DeRozan, Zion. Uh, I, I put Brandon Ingram on the list as well. Um, I, I don't think he has much of a shot either. Um, and then the two guys who, due to injury, really don't have much of an opportunity. One, Carl Anthony Towns. He's only played, I, I think, five games so far. Um, has, has looked great in those games and is out indefinitely still uh, with, with COVID-19. And then a guy who I think you know, the timing of his injuries is just really bad because I think he was finally going to get his first all-star appearance in the West. And that was CJ McCollum. McCollum was looking incredible. Like he, he was taking so much off of Lillard's plate. Like I think he was doing good things for Portland. Um, you know, he was shooting 11 threes a game and hitting them at 44%. Like that was a huge jump up for him. And he was kind of in that like DeRozan territory where it's like, Again, you know McCollum passes the ball, but it's five assists to one turnover. And for someone who shoots, like for someone who shoots 20 times a game and hands out five assists, only one turnover is insane. And I, it's probably never happened before. So I think he would have 
certainly had a case. Yeah, I, I think I think he and Lillard would have made it. It's not like that was going to be a one of the other situation by any means, but he would have been firmly in that discussion, you know, with the Donovan Mitchell versus Chris Paul versus SGA versus DeRozan. I, I think he would have been at the forefront of that. I mean, I, I would say he's, you know, I guess we, we'd have to see because he he was so efficient to begin the year. I mean, he was shooting probably way over his head from three, you know, 44 percent compared to 37 percent or 38 percent the last couple of years. Um, so he was probably due for a little bit of regression. But I, I think like between those five, where they stood before McCollum's injury, I, I think he would have been my first pick of that group. Yeah, it would have been pretty easy to put him over DeRozan. Definitely. Yeah, um, that's saying think, a lot. <laughs> kind of is, actually. <laughs> it is. Uh, and same over Mitchell. I think I probably would have had him over Diamond Mitchell as well. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, so now now that we're starting to talk about this, I kind of hope there is an all-star game. Um, you know, my, my all-star game juices are, are kind of flowing again. What are, what are your expectations currently for how this thing is going to turn out? Because as of now, usually we don't get this far in the process and then have it canceled. You know, like Woj has written multiple stories on this. The league is quote unquote, moving forth with it. Like it, it's in the works right now. How do you think this turns out? Is it, is it going to be a disaster? Is it going to be something that we look back on and say, we didn't think this would be fun, but you know, I'm glad there was an all-star game. Like, how do you see it playing out? I think the energy will be relatively low uh, in terms of like the game itself, because these guys aren't getting much time off for the break itself. And they haven't had much time off during the season because it's so condensed. And again, we might like who knows who's even going to go and what sort of incentives is the NBA going to incentivize players to go that get voted in? Are they going to de uh, incentivize them from not coming? Like, are you going to get punished for not coming to the all-star game during a pandemic where it could like affect your team's record? If you like step outside in Atlanta and like try to go get something to eat, are you just going to be trapped in your hotel room? Um, I don't know what's going to happen there. And I don't, you know, I'm, I'm optimistic, like cautiously optimistic. Cause I love the all-star game. And I love all-star weekend and the dunk contest and everything like that. If, assuming they're going to do it. Uh, but I would not be surprised if it's kind of just like a low energy, mm-hmm. like sort of flop as much of as, as an all-star game can be a flop. Yeah. I, I think you're spot on with that. I think the game, I mean, I think most people would say, well, the game itself is pretty low energy anyway. And traditionally, that that has been the case, you know, especially from like 2010 to 2018 range. Like those were some pretty rough all star games. Uh, Even I would admit that. Um, But, you know, with with either no or very limited fans, um, you know, players who are probably much more disinterested than they would normally be. I I think there is a pretty decent risk of this one just being a very forgettable, like, let's just never talk to talk about this again type of situation. I, I, I do wonder, like I. I don't, maybe you have, I haven't seen any players asked about this yet. You know, like, has anyone said like, Hey, LeBron, how do you feel about an all-star game happening? Because, you know, as of a few weeks ago, I think most players were expecting to get this time off to, to spend with their families. I've not seen anything about that. And you would think that like, he's someone to ask or basically just anyone who anyone. is definitely going to be an all-star. Yeah. DeRozan. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Um, yeah. Just like anything, like, are you going if this happens? Right. Uh, like even that. I don't feel like it's yeah. is too aggressive of a question. No, not at all. I mean, people were asking, are you going to go to the NBA bubble? This, this, <laughs> yeah, is, right. this is much, much less drastic than that. Um, I don't know. I, I I do wonder if maybe the the players have been told, hey, the party line is we're going with this. It's going to save us some money long term. I, I mean, 
obviously they're going to pitch this as a kind of a charity thing and, and that's all well and good. And, and, you know, HBCUs and other organizations that the league sponsors, I'm sure will benefit from this. So that's all, that's fine. But at the end of the day, this is a cash grab by the league. I mean, I, I don't know how the, the, you know, the, the all-star game contracts work. I, I assume that's a pretty big night for, for TNT. Um, so, you know, trying to salvage that is probably a pretty big motivation here. I would, I would imagine. Yeah. I, I can't see any other reason for it other than the like marketing and profit aspect of it. Yeah. So we'll see. I mean, I, I think players much like they did with the NBA bubble, you know, once, once it was clear what was actually at stake and same goes for starting this season when the NBA did just before Christmas, you know, once the financials become clear, guys tend to fall in line, um, you know, pretty quickly. So my, my guess is, is that's what we'll see here, but yeah, it's, it's going to be weird. And you know, to try, like, I guess if we're going to do the all-star game, you know, now there's talk of there being a full-on, you know, skills competition, three-point yeah. shootout, dunk contest. Like, we might as well. If you're going to do the game, I don't have a problem with adding that. I guess. I mean, it adds more people that have to show up. Uh, True. But at the same time, like, most of the people, like, a lot of the skills competition people will be all-stars. Um, it's just the three-point and the dunk contest people that, you know, probably won't have been there, wouldn't have been there anyway. Uh, you know, we'll probably get some like random, you know, like random guys essentially in the dunk contest. Um, yeah. You know, who knows? Is there anyone off the top of your head that you really want to see in either of those dunk or three point um, or skills, I guess? Um, I feel like I'm totally blanking on dunk contest. Like, I mean, Zion. Zion. Yes. would love to see him. I don't think uh, that's happening. That would, God, he would. I think that would Zion, be... Zion and Morant need to be in it. Yes. Maybe that this would isn't be, the one. That that would be enough like for everyone to tune in. Yes, that would save All-Star Weekend. <laughs> it actually would. Uh provided Zion can still actually jump like yeah. he's, you know, like he's was in high school. Right. Um although he's had a couple he had the, he put that poster on, I forgot who on the Kings, which was maybe one of his most memorable dunk of his career so far. I think it was easily and I too cannot remember who it was on, but that was like we had just talked about like a week or two before that like he doesn't really dunk in the NBA and then he, go, then he goes and does that. Um, yeah. I kind of want to see Kawhi Leonard in the dunk contest. Just like that spectacle. I, I think he would just like calmly walk up to the hoop and perform a two handed slam dunk and then just walk away. Kawhi Leonard is absolutely loves the, you know, Statue of Liberty dunk. He's a huge yeah. fan of it. It would be hilarious if he just, he just like approached it like a real game, like ran up full speed and just did a, a quick one hander and ran back. Yeah, maybe like a crossover, or like a hezzy move first. <laughs> He's like looking for the foul. <laughs> um, yeah, no, there's not there's not anyone else that comes to mind. I mean, like, I, like from what I've seen from James Wiseman athletically, I, I don't know what he has in his dunk package as far as like dexterity and, you know, being able to contort himself in the air. You know, that that lends well to dunk contests. But just in, in terms of like pure leaping, I think you could do something. Did, um, did Derek, Derek Jones Jr. do it one year? I think he did it. He definitely has done it. I, I want to say he might have done it last year, even. I think he did do it last year. Okay. I can yeah, never remember I mean, he's, who's he's actually. A I feel like the league can call him up at any point, and he's happy to do it. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. I want to finish out with this. We we talked about this a few, maybe close to a month back uh, now, and, and you know, you kind of brought up the the notion that this season and and maybe not last season is the one that we'll look back on as you know the quote unquote asterisk season in the NBA. Uh, what I'm curious about is, do you still feel that way? And and if not, what has changed? 
I still feel that way. The amount of postponements, the amount of guys sitting out weeks uh, with COVID-19, the like everyone wants to analyze teams, but you can't without like putting three caveats on it first for most situations like, hey, how's Dallas doing? Well, they're missing half their team for two weeks or, you know, like and then the guys come back and they play bad. So all the numbers are screwed up. I, I think it's it's really tough to evaluate uh, a, a lot of different teams. And I think it will, it'll end up being, I think it'll mostly be normal. But the the thing is, I don't know what is going to happen with the playoffs. And that's what worries me still is like, people are going to miss time during the regular season. That happens, right? Every team will theoretically get hit equally with this COVID stuff. But what happens when it's first round of the playoffs and half of the Lakers catch COVID or uh, any other scenario that's basically like that. And then they get bounced. What happens then? Um, and again, like I've heard Zach Lowe or Brian Windhorst or whoever say like the NBA has not ruled out doing a bubble for the playoffs again, but it sounds like the players are like, that's an absolute last resort. Like nobody ever wants to do that again. So that's my main concern. Yeah, I'm definitely with you um, on the numbers, especially it's been it's been one thing to try to evaluate these teams by watching them. But then when you look at the numbers, it's it's just almost impossible because, you know, like aggregate you know, defensive rating or something like that. It's like, well, they you know, the maps are a great example. They were missing basically four of their top six players for more than two weeks. So how do you you know, how do you account for a sample that's like, you know, over a third of their total games played? Um, I don't I don't know if that's ever going to even out. You know, I hope we get to a point where, much like in the bubble, the NBA would proudly announce every week we've had no more positive tests. I, I don't know that we're going to get there. It, it seemed like we were kind of moving in the right direction over these last couple of weeks. And then, you know, there's a game canceled at the last second last night. Uh, you know, Towns, like we've said, is still dealing with COVID. So we're, we're by no means out of the woods. I, it, it does seem like the NBA buckling down uh, on the protocols has helped to some degree. Um, although I just, I don't know how you're ever going to account for like Tyler hero, you know, was, was in protocols for, for a short period of time over the weekend, didn't end up missing any time, but it was, I think it was just like somebody that had stayed with him had, had, had registered a positive test and he ended up being okay. But you know, that's just the risk you're going to run throughout the entire year when these guys aren't in a bubble. And I, I really hope that we don't have to go to a bubble for the playoffs. Like even though there's no fans, um, you know, one, hopefully there will be some fans uh, in, in some arenas in the playoffs, although that's looking like bleaker and bleaker by the day. Um, the bubble, I mean, the bubble was fine I, I, as kind of a one-time novelty type of thing. Like to have to go back into that again and, you know, kind of compare and contrast it to last year, like it would just, it would, in a lot of ways, it would just suck the momentum out of the season for me. I think it would. Yeah. And I don't know what they're going to do in terms of like trying to make, guys take it as seriously as possible if there's not a bubble at the same time i feel like almost half the league has probably had covid at this point like right. we get those updates every week and we've been getting them to some extent since the the pandemic started and you know sometimes it's like 15 new players one new player other times it's like 20 new players or guys return like a bunch of guys return to camp with it and um we might reach a point where like 75 percent of the league has had it and it's not as big of an issue but that's obviously like not ideal. Yeah. I, I, and even if that is the case, I think deep down the league probably knows that. And they're like, look, we're not in that. We're not really worried about our players necessarily. You know, obviously they are, but like, I think deep down they would admit like our biggest fear is not 
players catching COVID and getting sick. It's the optics of the entire situation, you know, where they, the league just can't be like, Hey, we have, we have herd immunity here in our, in our league. So we're just going to continue on. Uh, you know, you guys deal with, with all the restrictions and wearing masks and whatnot, but we're good. Like they, I don't, I don't think they can really do that. They're just not in a position PR wise where even if that was the case and all the players had had it and all the staff had had it. Um, I, I think they, there there's like too much public pressure for them to, I guess, be kind of like a role model, you know, organization, league, you know, for everyone else. I think so. And I mean, maybe they'll, maybe for the playoffs, they'll just do a situation where they are willing to postpone games a ton. Like they'll make this huge window for the playoffs. Like the playoffs could last like three and a half, four months. Years. Theoretically. Yeah. Yeah, It could be next year and we'd be like the finals that finally here. Right. Uh, I, I could see them just being really lenient with that, but uh, who knows? That would also suck the momentum out of everything too. Well, I mean, one of the advantages that the league has is you are playing series, you know? So if you're, you know, if, if you kind of have to like lock it down, you know, you're not worried about like right now, there's like this cascading effect where, okay, so a Pistons player tests positive in Memphis on Tuesday, but they're going to fly to, indiana on wednesday and oh they were actually just in milwaukee the night before so there's there's kind of this you have to just do this kind of crazy web of like you know where did they actually contract it who would they talk to who would they been near uh, with a series like at least it would be more self-contained and, and theoretically it'd be easier if you know if you have to take a couple days off um you know you're, you're not you're not necessarily worried about like wrecking the rest of the schedule although if every other series is progressing you know as as, as scheduled and one is lagging behind then you might have these kind of crazy swings in, in days off between series. Yeah, that's that's kind of what I meant, where it could be like there could be like a week off between right. uh, when one series finishes and, and the other one starts. Um, and we had a little bit of that in the bubble just in terms yeah. of like some longer layoffs. But I mean, I even think... in normal in a normal season, that happens if you know one team sweeps, one team goes to seven. You're going to get that. It's like to me, that's not a not a huge deal. But I mean, if it's a situation where. Kevin Durant and James Harden both have COVID and the Nets are up two games against the Bucks in the Eastern Conference Finals. The Nets have enough players to play the game three. Does the league step in and say, no, this isn't fair. Like that's, I think that's where hopefully it doesn't come to that. But if it does, that's where the league is going to have some serious questions. A hundred percent. And I, you know, they're, they're going to have to come up with a plan sooner than later. Um, I know they probably want to wait as long as possible to kind of get a feel of how things go. Um, but sooner or later, I mean, we're, we're going to have to understand how the playoffs are going to work. Well, we don't even have the second half of the regular season. No, (laughs) like the schedule, the schedule, like in our, in our backend admin, you know, when you look ahead, it just cuts off after like March 4th. So I I don't know what's happening after that. (laughs) Neither do I. All right, man. Uh, we'll wrap this one up here. Uh, fun time chatting about the all-star stuff. Uh, we'll check back in on this. Um, you know, as votes start to come in and, and the picture starts to clear up a little more, uh, I'll be back with James later this week. We will have Ben, uh, Ben Zweiman from from DraftKings at some point uh, in the next week or so. Uh, so keep an eye out for that. And then you will be back on Friday as usual with, Shen, with Shannon and Ken. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.